0: This is the truth network
1: When you're down and out When you're on the street
0: When don't be surprised yes this is the christian car guy show and i am well i should say jesus put these two things together for me i call it the biff treatment right i hate manure now if you've ever seen back to the future you're gonna know that you know in every one back to the future one two and three biff is this bully he's a very proud individual And in each case, he gets doused in manure. So that becomes really critical when you think about it. We're putting that together with Bridge Over Troubled Water, which Paul Simon wrote. It was done by Simon and and Garfunkel years ago. Which I love the line from that when you think about it. What he actually says is, I will lay me down. (laughs) You know, and then there's this line in there that says, I will comfort you. And I really think, as I really have studied this week, kind of where Paul Simon got that song, he was listening to gospel tracks in his apartment. And so you're going to go, okay, Robbie, when are we getting to the car guy part? We're getting to it. Okay, we will. So Paul Simon was listening to gospel tracks over and over and over. He had this one song that he loved, and and it had these different things that sounded like this bridge over troubled water. So the the chords and the tempo of this song are not a normal pop song by anybody's stretch of the imagination. In fact, Paul Simon didn't think it was going to be a hit because it was too slow. the The lines were too simple, but it had a beautiful melody to it that he really wanted to hear his friend, Art Garfunkel, sing. And so, you know, it's an interesting thing that even though, and and you're going to hear in in the second. Bump in, you'll actually hear Paul Simon singing the second verse, which normally you only hear Art Garfunkel singing it. And the reason I, I, I played that is I want you to hear how cool Paul sings it, but think about this that in his own way, he laid down his own gifting so that his friend could sing what probably is their biggest hit. I mean, it's, it's kind of a cool thing that he is laying his own life down. So you're thinking, oh, Robbie, where does this all come from? Well, this week, Jesus and I, we had a sort of a discussion <laughs> that, you know, if you know your Bible, this may sound a whole like lot like Luke 13. In fact, you can follow right along with me if you take, turn your Bibles to Luke 13. But Jesus said, Robbie, do you suppose the people in New York who are so plagued by COVID-19 are greater sinners than those people in North Carolina? You know, because they've suffered such things. I tell you, no. But if you don't repent, you will likewise perish. Or those people in Spain or Italy, do you think they sin more than other countries? I tell you, no. But if you don't repent, you will likewise perish. And then he told this story. He says, a man had a fig tree, and he planted it in a vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he didn't find any. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this tree, and I can find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And the vine dresser answered him and said, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. <laughs> then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. So, you, you see that thing? Like, I am personally, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like Biff. I hate manure. <laughs> but if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan put it this way. He called it the Valley of Humiliation, right? And actually the value, Valley of Humiliation is filled with manure. Right? And the really cool and amazing word that Jesus that Jesus used actually beginning in that beginning of Luke 13 is he says repent. Okay, and that word has all sorts of connotations to it as I normally think about it, but I began to study that word, and here comes the other part of what we're talking about today. In Hebrew, actually, if you look at that word, it's Strong's H5162, and it's used 108 times, the word is, in the Old Testament, but here's the shocker. 57 of those times, it doesn't say repent if you read your Bible, it says comfort. In fact, If you look at the 23rd Psalm, when you're pretty familiar with this verse, I would guess where David says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. But that word is the same word as repent. So you could say that David was saying, your rod and your staff, they repent me. Well, when you think about what a rod and staff are, yeah, it's kind of that way. But all of a sudden you're thinking, wait a minute, repent means comfort, How exactly does that work? So let's think back for a minute of a couple really good examples of repenting in the Bible that we can see that would line up with manure. So the first one I would mention is Jonah, right? (laughs) He was going to go, or he was told to go to Nineveh, but he got on the boat. And I don't know if you noticed, but Jesus kind of broke up his fallowed ground. He put him on the ocean. It was a big, huge storm. And I mean, things were all, you know, it was all, Messed up. And then, what? They put him in the water, and he ended up swallowed by this fish. (laughs) And when he was in the belly of that fish, you know what he was covered with, right? Manure. I'm just saying. (laughs) And that's when he began to repent, and that's when he began to pray. And guess what? He got comforted. God spit him out on dry land, and next thing you know, you know, he's out there talking to the Ninevites, lest he gets a bush and all sorts of stuff. But the other prime example of being covered by manure and repentance is the prodigal son, right? And that's in the New Testament. And here this kid is sitting there with the pig pods, right? And he's covered in manure. But when he decides that he's going to go back to his dad, right, right? he gets a steak dinner. I mean, we're talking fatted calf here. I mean, this is awesome. This is tasty. This is like, oh my goodness. He go from the total biff treatment of covered in manure to like, I will comfort you. You 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 see the picture between right? Where where we're headed here that in a lot of ways right now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting the manure treatment. <laughs> I'm getting the biff treatment. <laughs> With the idea of him breaking up my fallow ground and covered me with the manure is that I'm going to turn around, right, go back to him for comfort. And like Simon and Garfunkel will talk about, right, they are there to comfort you. And like, oh, my goodness, what a picture. And today, since we are social distancing, I have my co-host Jerry Mathis is on the phone, right? So we're a good distance away from each other, right, Jerry? <laughs>
1: a few a few miles between us, not just a few feet.
0: <laughs>
1: so we're so we we're, we're sort of overachieving this morning.
0: So, I'm I know you always were fascinated by my intros and how we can connect manure and bridge over troubled water. But what do you think?
1: I think I think a lot of us feel like we're covered in manure right now in, in so many ways. And yeah, I, and I love where you're going to connect all that because I think the the light. And the example of the particle son in that, it, it, it certainly uh, rings true for us today.
0: So the good news is we've got Ted Ryan from Ford. He's going to be on with us to talk about the Mustangs sales awards. He's going to be come, coming on right after this break. we got Jerry. We're going to be talking about the Jesus Labor Love. But I have to tell you about the time that I was covered in manure probably better than anything. I was. I just lost everything, lost the dealership, lost all my money. You know, we did not have enough money. This was only 10 years ago to pay the power bill to get the power turned on. And the new house, after our house had been, whatever they call it, repossessed. <laughs> it was whatever. And so we're in this rental house. We're trying to get the power turned on. The only way I can do that is to go through on newspapers. And as I'm throwing newspapers one day, it's icy out there, you're out there in the dark, it's 4.30 in the morning, and I remember slipping on the ice and coming right to the street. And so when I hear Paul say, when you're on the streets, right?" I can remember laying on the street, actually in tears and tearing up to Jesus. I'd been a car dealer, actually a millionaire, weeks before. (laughs) And now I was laying there with a bundle of papers on the street, Bleeding because I'd slipped and fallen, covered in manure, <laughs> and I was like, "Really? Has it come to this?" But fascinatingly, that's when the comfort started pouring in. I'm just saying. <laughs> the Biff treatment today on the Christian Car Guy show. We got again Ford coming up in the next segment, and Jerry is with us. We need your calls about maybe your Biff treatment. 34 truth.
1: When you're down and out When you're on the street When
0: Treatment today on the Christian Car Guy show, the Biff Treatment. Wow, that's kind of like being covered in manure, but also the I will lay me down part. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about how that ends up bearing much fruit and what that fruit might look like, what it might look like in your life. But in speaking of fruit, right now we have Ted Ryan. He's with Ford's Mustang Division, who has a huge announcement. I mean, they've borne a lot of fruit, right? Two international i mean one international one national uh awards for sales with the new mustang
2: we did hey and i'm actually the archivist so i run the history division for ford motor company i'm not in the mustang group although i can aspire to that but uh with with yesterday was the 56th birthday of the famous ford mustang mustang that iconic car and uh we did celebrate two big awards: fifth straight best-selling sports coupe, and a, but more importantly to me, America's best-selling sports car for the last 50 years. Uh, because when you think of uh, you, you think of a car that that means America, it means muscle, it means the pony car. The, the Mustang is the one that jumps to mind. So uh, it, it's no surprise to me; it's been the best-selling sports car uh, for the last 50 years.
0: Oh, I, I I love that, and I love that word. What. An archivist, is that what that that word that you used right there at the beginning?
2: That is. I'm the I'm the Heritage and Archives Brand Manager so with the Ford Motor Company archives we have more than a million and a half photos, 10,000 videos, millions of documents including I found one the other day the well when I could still get in the archives before all this shutdown, the the document that actually launched uh the Mustang back in 1963 on a blue piece of paper because it was always blue to to catch the executive's attention. It was signed by Leah Acoca and sent to Henry
0: Ford II. Oh, how cool. I mean, for those of us who are are car people, signed by Leah Acoca and sent to Henry Ford II. I mean, what a document. What a document.
2: it is, well, and it, to me, the, the Mustang is a special car. It's a car that doesn't need the word Ford in front of it to know what, what it is, just like the Bronco or just like the F-150. It it stands apart and it stands alone because it means something to everybody who has one. My father had a 289 and uh, a yellow uh, 1965 Mustang, and he loved that car. Unfortunately, I came along, and I was kid number two, and he had to, to get rid of it a little bit after I came along. But, you know, the Mustang means so much to the people who own them, uh, there's hundreds of three hundred Mustang clubs across america uh
0: so i'm I'm very curious what did Lee say to Henry about the car like this is gonna be a good one <laughs> you know, like you know what did what did the document actually say? Get ready it
2: did. A lot of it was market research. A lot of it was just what you would think. And and the Mustang was one of the most researched cars because they could sense that everything was changing. Take yourself back to 1963 and uh, the baby boomers are coming of age, uh, increased college education, increased uh, money at their disposal. Uh, The freeway system is in full effect. And one of the executives uh, called it, uh, a market looking for a car. There are all these these people that were looking for a car that matched their lifestyle, and the Mustang came along and it was priced so affordably like twenty four hundred dollars for yeah. an entry level Mustang, and uh, it was it was a car that that sparked a generation, and we sold four hundred fifty thousand of them the first year and a million of them within the first year and a half. Uh, so it caught the public's imagination, just as it does today. Uh, one of the amazing things to me. You think Mustang is American, but since 2015, Ford has sold 633,000 Mustangs in 146 countries around the world. We're exporting the Mustang and that that philosophy to the countries around the world as people want to want a piece of the American dream and and uh, what the pony car means to them.
0: So Jerry is my co-host today, and and I know Jerry's worked on plenty of Mustangs. In his life, well, since we have this archivist right here with us, Jerry, <laughs> I think yeah, that's such I a mean, cool name. What is, what comes to your mind?
1: Yeah, as it was just speaking. One thing, that because you mentioned Iacoca and, and stuff, I'm going to throw a, a movie question out to you, because I really thought that the movie was done well, Ford versus Ferrari. How accurate was that? Because it seemed, from my standpoint, it was very accurate. And also, I'm just going to say, the first car I ever owned was a 68 Mustang convertible, best car love that car
2: the i love the movie the ford versus Ferrari movie was was fantastic ford actually did not have a role in that movie our archives did provide the production company with still images of what it looked like as far as accuracy the i'll be generous and say that it was given the hollywood treatment uh <laughs> I, leo bb the, the villain in the movie leo Beebe was one of the nicest guys alive and uh, I would not have want to be Leo Beebe's family with the way he was depicted in that film, particularly since he was, he was just generous. We have, we have notes from him to, uh, Carol Shelby and from he to Holman and a Moody, particularly home and a Moody, which was the other company that, that was helping us build out the cars. And where he's basically saying, I'll get you anything you want. What do you want? We can make this happen. It, it wasn't as it was depicted in the movie, but you know, in the end, uh, Ford took first, second and third. And, uh, what the movie didn't really cover is we then won it four consecutive years in a row. So uh, the GT40 itself was a masterpiece of design, innovation, and it was a team of Holman and Moody, Carroll Shelby, and Ford Engineering. And then the imagination and vision of the drivers that, that brought everything to bear. So uh, a good it's a good action flick if you like cars and cars. Uh, uh, just always keep in mind it got a little bit of the Hollywood treatment as far as, as the actual history goes.
0: But, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a note there that just go, OK, listen to the names and, and what an impact it's made on, on Americana, period. Henry Ford. <laughs> I mean, not just the second, but the first. And then you have Lee Iacocca, Carol Shelby. I mean, these people, they they... They really, really affected all our lives. And I hate we don't have more time with Ted, but we're going to get it back another time. Thank you for being with us, Ted, and thank you for what Ford's doing. God bless. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me thank on. Thank you. Morning. When we come back, we are going to get to that fruit. And it's not all Mustangs on trees out there hanging around, I'm just telling you. So we're going to be right back with the Biff treatment coming up on a Christian Cargo show. Biff treatment today. <laughs> yes, I hate manure. The Biff treatment today on the Christian Car Guy show, or I will lay me down in the comfort idea that we're talking about in repentance. Uh, but it comes. It, it sometimes the price of 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 having that experience of being, as Jesus put it, that I was going to dig around the tree and then dung it. You know, like oh my goodness, Jerry. You know that's a that's a tough place to be. <laughs>
1: uh, absolutely. You know, Robbie, and it and you know, the time that we're dealing with all the, the virus and 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 all of that, and so many people are just just searching, and 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 you know what? I think so many times, I think you know, we get as as humans, we get sort of overwhelmed with our circumstances. But just think back about you know, you look back in biblical times and stuff, how know god got got his people and followers and, and, and believers and people put faith in him and trust in him through it i think it's one of those times now i mean god didn't create this but god will create it for for his good and you see so many ways i mean we're open for business and i have people coming in and i see people that are connecting back to their families and connecting back to their faith and and searching for answers and and that that's that's pretty encouraging. I think last week I saw a stat where it was, in the United States, more people attended church, be it in home and live streaming, than any way of getting the data together. Probably the largest attendance of people here in a service was last Sunday that's in the awesome. history of this country. Is that pretty awesome?
0: That, that's, that really, really is. And I, I, I go back to, if you've if you listened to the very beginning of the show, I was talking about that at the beginning of Luke 13, they ask him, you know, Jesus, were these Galileans that got their blood mingled with their sacrifice, were they bigger sinners than the other people in Galilee? Or these people in Jerusalem that had the wall fall on them, were they bigger sinners? And, and you can't help connect that to think that other people that are being affected more by corona. And, and, and I thought it was interesting, Jesus' comment in both cases, very quickly, he says, like, none of your business. he says you need to repent so that you don't perish likewise in other words he puts it right back on this is where you need to do you don't need to be concerned yourself with all that concern yourself with this and then he tells the story about the fig tree that wasn't bearing any fruit and so you can't help but note that oh my goodness look what he's saying he's saying that I'm going to Give this fig tree a year. If you look at the parable, he says, "I'm going to give it a year before it has to get cut down, and I am going to dig around its roots so that you break up the soil, and then I'm going to add the manure." And and, and you look through the Bible on references on manure, and it's almost always, you know, a metaphor for, you know, the whole world being, you know, cast down at your feet. I mean, like it, things are really, really hard when we start being attacked by the dung pile or being face down in the dung pile that they're they're talking about throughout the Bible. So getting back to my story when I was throwing papers, just trying to make a way that I could pay the rent, you know, and the light bill so that we could have power in the middle of February, I think it was, when I fell. And interestingly, I I can remember this, Jerry, that I felt like I was— I'd reached a low in my life like I was a totally no value, that, that I could do nothing right because everything that I had worked for my whole life, it was all gone, there was no money, there was never going to be any money, and all that stuff seemed to be just like, oh, it all evaporated. And so I decided <laughs> I was going to be the best paper boy that I could possibly be, and and there were these, most people that got the paper back then, I'm sure it's still the same way, were older people, a lot of little old ladies. And, and they had a little thing on their mailbox that would hold a paper, you know, that you're supposed to roll the paper up and put that in. But my predecessor, he didn't take the time to walk down. The, it was a lot faster if you just threw the paper at the door, right? Because you could you could throw five papers, and it's all about time, because you got to get the paper out before 7 o'clock. But if I took the extra five steps and I hung the paper there in their little mailbox, they would not have to bend over so far to get their paper, right? And so I was thinking I could be a better paper boy. And I'll never forget that come Valentine's Day that year, I had all these sweet notes. (laughs) You're the best paper. You know, here I was. I was 56 or whatever I was at the time. And I have all these sweet notes from these little ladies saying, you are the best paper boy I've ever had. (laughs) And and I'll never, ever, ever forget how God encouraged me to say, yeah, Robbie, if you apply yourself just to what, you know, what is your business, right? This is what I've given you, and here you go. So do the very best you can with it, and, and you will bear fruit. And and it will be good fruit, and and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be okay. And of course, you you know the story all too well, because you were my friend at the time, and you know that that led to me being full time and Christian broadcasting, and and a chance to bear all kinds of fruit, or at least be able to speak into the kingdom on a weekly basis. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it?
2: Yeah, you
1: know, I'm I'm a take a step back too, and go a little further is the fact of. Yeah, I was there and and, and and saw a lot of that but also that I was able to see how God used you and how you humbled yourself because you know what? I mean in any anyone when you have something and all of a sudden it's taken away there there's it's easy to be resentful, it's easy to be to put up a wall and stuff. But what I saw in you in the character of you was that that reflected jesus christ and just like doing okay you were the best paper boy but you're the best paper boy because god had put that in your heart to be the best paper boy and you were obedient to him, to him. and and you know that that's that the lives that sometimes that 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 we touch and it may be hanging a paper on on a mailbox or putting it in the little tube that's on the on the side of the mailbox you know what impact does that make? But you know what? It makes a huge impact, and we don't know how that impacts not just bringing joy to somebody but also brings uh, brings them closer to Christ in something we do. I mean, now when you're on the air this morning, somebody is going to be listening that's going to be impacted for Christ. And you know what? If, if there's only one person, of all the people, thousands of people that may be listening this morning, if one person hears something that makes them pause a moment to say, you know what, that's the relationship I need to get back get back in line. That's how I'm gonna get through the struggles that I'm going through and the impact of, of what we're going through now or maybe it be maybe my job or, or a relationship. You know what? It makes it all worth it. And, and being obedient to, to our Lord and Savior. And that's what I saw in you then and now and, and that's what what
0: what oh, I love about a... you, brother. <laughs> Yeah, and I love, you know, it, it, you're exactly right. It is Jesus. He he was the one that put that there. <laughs> he, was, he provided the opportunity. Like at the time that that paper job came up, I really needed some, I needed something, and here it was. And I was like, okay, well, I can do this. This is something I could do. And, you know, even this morning, Jerry, um, there was a, a lady that had an application. I was thinking about all the applications that have come in for the Jesus Labor Love Lately people's lives are being really 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 disrupted and, and you know this lady needed tires and I and I had a chance to pray with her this morning and you could just hear there were tears but they were almost like god god is comfort god is with me in this you know god sees what's going on i the, it, you know, in some respect, when you see what people are going through and you re- acknowledge it, they feel like, "Wow, that God does show up and and God does comfort and and He really, really, really is that bridge over troubled water."
1: Yeah, and, and you know, even you know, even in 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 death, death, you see. this has been a kind of a weird week for me. I've had like three or four people that pretty close to that have passed away and, and from different things. A lot of them have been long-term illnesses and stuff, but not being able to be there and stuff and, and really, but still seeing how God worked through that. And when you're in a crisis, and, and right now the big picture is, like everybody's in a crisis, worldwide we're in a crisis. But you know what? It doesn't matter if it's a big crisis or if it's neat tires on our car. It's a crisis. And Jesus is the answer. And, and Jesus is the hope.
0: <laughs> he is exactly right. Well, listen carefully to Paul Simon's version of Bridge Over Troubled Water when we come back. It won't be Art Garfunkel, but listen to the talent that, and the heart that Paul had as he sings these lyrics Never he wrote. Ever, ever
1: when you down and out, when you're on the street.
0: The Biff Treatment Today on the Christian Car Guy Show and or I Will Lay Me Down as we listen to Paul Simon there and if you listen to him to describe what happened he said one minute there was no song The Bridge Over Troubled Water and the next minute it was there it was just given to him. He'd been listening to a gospel track and, and there's almost no doubt in my mind whatsoever that what Paul heard was what Jesus was literally offering him right? this I will comfort you. And and that comfort word, as we described in the beginning of the show, if you look in the Old Testament, it's there 108 times, but 57 times it said comfort to only 41 times it says repent. (laughs) And, And so if we go back to our friend David in the 23rd Psalm, when he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me or they repent me, Think about this, right, that they used, you know, he was a shepherd. He knew about the sheep stuff. And so, you know, that staff was used to guide him in the right direction or it was used, you know, the the, the rod was used to protect him against other things. And so there there's comfort in being guided. And, and so when I first look at these words from Jesus in Luke chapter 13, and he says, you know, why are you asking me about these other people? You need to repent. That sounds kind of harsh, but it's not at all. when you realize what Jesus is really saying is come to the real, real, real comfort. And I don't know if you're like me, but, man, during this time, I'm eating more chocolate than ever, even though I'm diabetic. You know, I every every kind of comfort I can be, you know— looking for comfort movie, comfort food, comfort this, comfort that, because guess what? My soul <laughs> is wanting to repent. It's it's seeking comfort, but I'm going for all the falls when I should be going for the real deal. And I wonder, you know, even a, you, you can know this stuff, Jerry, and you can know it and you can know it, but in the moment, you know, are we going to repent? Where we can bear fruit if we repent? If we if we go to Jesus for comfort, then we get into the vine, and then all of a sudden, we can bear fruit. If we turn towards that candy bar, <laughs> it's like you turn towards death, right?
1: Uh, yeah. You know, we sit there and, and we're in, in this crisis and getting through it, and people are. I, I do see people turning their hearts back to God and, and looking for that that comfort. But you know, I also am kind of reminded, you know, back of 9/11, where we saw a nation that that did that, and then quickly went away from that. You know, with, with time, it didn't take much time. And I'm just hoping and praying that this is, that, that this change that I think we're going to see in this country and throughout the world. I think God is opening doors, and, and we as followers of Christ need to make sure that we're willing to step up and share Christ in this in this time of need.
0: Yeah, and you notice in that he, the parable he shares, he's only given a year. The guy, the the tree is given a year to bear fruit. It's like there's a definite time slot. <laughs> like if this thing isn't going to bear fruit in a year, we're cutting it down. And, and and so you know there's there's a sense of urgency there that like oh my goodness, and what an opportunity really we do have, like we've never had. Uh, when we hear people in fear, we hear people it, to actually come in, and 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 lay ourselves down, because I I think there's more than just sh- sharing Christ in that moment. It's like, how can I lay myself down as a picture of how Christ would lay Himself down in this situation, in a in an opportunity to truly bring comfort and joy and love. Um, I understand that at some point in time we 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 get a chance to share the gospel, but if 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 they're literally right this minute riding on bald tires, you know they're they're not really listening to our message, right, Jerry?
1: Absolutely. You know, goes back to your story about delivering papers. You didn't you didn't uh, go out and preach the gospel and give them a mini sermon at every house you stopped at, but you reflected Christ and what you were doing was through Christ working through you, and it's the same thing with the Torah. I mean, I learned a lesson. I don't want to take much time, but uh, I was helping with the coal mine mission in in the West Virginia mountains and the eastern part of Kentucky and stuff, and one of the women up there called Mary's House that had a home, and and her daughter was part of that organization, and we were going to some of these areas that were just, I couldn't believe how the the condition people in this country were living but I was like, you know, why can't people do more? And and she was talking about groups coming up there, and she said, you know, really, she said, you know, it's just, we need to show Christ in our lives and while we're doing this for Christ, but we can't beat them over the head with Christ because they don't hear that story, because really the only thing they know is they're hungry, their stomachs are growling, and really they just give me the bag of food and move on. Uh, she said, so it's, it's delicate stuff. And I think a lot of times the situation we're in where we need to know it is the message is the most important thing, but sometimes God just has to use the tools he puts in front of us to be able to convey the love of Christ.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you actually look at that word, which is repent in Hebrew, it's just three letters. And those three letters speak like huge volumes to me. And if I could kind of illustrate what it says, from Robbie's point of view, the first letter is a nun, which we've talked about before, sort of like a seed, sort of like faith, that word, like in faith. And the second word, I believe, would be pronounced het, it's C-H-E-T, it's a het, and it, what it really is in, in Jewish is like the marriage hoopa. Uh, like the canopy that goes over a marriage. And so you got faith being married to something, and the third letter is a mem, which is the first letter of the word Messiah, and it, generally speaking, means exactly what I'm telling you. So what you've got is, through faith, being married to Christ is the same word that is translated comfort 57 times and 41 times being translated repent. How cool is that? That it's it's really a simple simple concept, but you get so much benefit from all you got to do is turn back to the one who really can comfort you, Jerry. Yeah,
1: or I mean, it seems so simple when you lay it out, but but hey, the bad <laughs> thing is we're we're human and we let out we let ourselves get in the way sometimes.
0: <laughs> we do, we do, and so it's hard to know, but I do know that as we step out today, if we're in Christ and somebody comes up, that we can begin to discern, is there a need? Or is there a need just to say, like right now, like, wow, the way that you can come to Christ is to accept that, yeah, he is in fact God's son. And and to pray and ask him to come into your life and forgive you and come under his blood that he shed so that you would be you know, able to come into God's holy presence. He died on the cross for you. You accept that in prayer, and you ask Jesus to show me what to do next, and he will, he will, it's that simple in prayer. So Jerry, thank you for being with me today, even if it was miles away. I appreciate it very much.
1: Overachieving this morning, I tell you, hey, we're all in it together.
0: Thank you, buddy. Keep up the good work out there, he is still open, he's an essential business, keeping cars running, And we we just appreciate, especially like, wow, those first responders out there, the nurses, the doctors, those folks that are putting their lives on the line. We need to be praying for them. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, Thank you for listening today. And remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went, got it all done in 33 years. And I'm really having so much fun here at the Christian Car Guy Show. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com.